The following podcast is a Dear Media production. This episode of That's So Retrograde is brought to you by our good friends over at Thrive Market, who now have, drumroll please, an amazing selection of either organic, biodynamic, or sustainable wines for your drinking and healthy living pleasure. Head over to thrivemarket.com slash retrograde wine for 25% off your first order. I'm going to say drinking. Please. I'll say it. And enjoy the episode. Play the jingle. Welcome to That's So Retrograde. Hi. I'm Elizabeth Koch. Hi, I'm Stephanie Simbari. Thanks. Why do I sing it? Because you can, kid. Hi. Warming up my vocals for Thanksgiving. Hello. Mimi Marcus. <laughs> Clad only in, you know. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know. Our uh, traditional... Rent sing-along, though, isn't until the next holiday. It's never too early to warm your vocals. That's true. (laughs) Amen to that. Um, Also, amen to this convo. Yes. So before we start this conversation, I think it's probably a good time to give love to one of our sponsors. So grateful for our friends over at Fabletics. Who make this show possible. Yes, I'm so excited to have discovered Fabletics because what my dream in life is to have the option to exercise at any point even though it's likely that I won't right and I feel like a a cute outfit can really help motivate the process but also if you're planning on not working out but you just like to be cozy also just looks like you may have worked out totally so it's like a win-win no matter what she's sporty she's committed to health sporty spice we love it Okay, so let me tell you the two cute things that I'm excited about that I ordered since I already talked about my dance pants. Yeah, well, Fabletics, for those who don't know, oh, who yeah. aren't hip to it, Obviously. is the place to find stylish gym wear that is priced affordably. And it's not just leggings and bras. They have yoga, running, gym gear, shoes, accessories, so much more, like yoga mats and hats and like bags, all the things. Love it. What are some of your favorite things on the site? Okay, so this is so cute. Demi Lovato, sorry not sorry, she did a line for them, and I ordered a bodysuit that she designed, and it's so cute. I've been wearing it out at night, and I feel like really sexy in it. The sporty spice. It is. It's like got this very almost even a posh. It's it is. It's a it's a Spice Girls situation for sure. And you know they add new styles constantly to the site, and if you get a VIP membership you have first access to all of those it's basically just like a first look deal where you get to see their styles for free every month with no commitment to actually order any of them yeah and you'll get 50 percent off the regular pricing and instant access to all of these newly released collections and if you go to fabletics.com slash retrograde and sign up for vip you will get two leggings for only 24 dollars which is a $99 value. Wow. And it's no commitment. So if you sign up and then you're like, I'm going to skip a month, that's fine too. They're cool with that. Yeah, they're cool with that. And if you spend $49, you don't have to pay shipping, which you know we love. Yeah. So So it's a good holiday gifting option too. Two for you, two for your buddy. Truly. I know my mom is going to love it. So fabletics.com slash retrograde. 
check out this deal. We love it. You know you'll love it. What else is there to say? Namaste, a Spice Girl. We are really excited. Super pumped. About this conversation today. It's really important and might I say shifting. Thank you for accentuating your T's like that. Um, I don't know. I don't really have much to say other than without further ado. Without further ado, we are very excited to uh, welcome Lorea Gaston to the show. Welcome to That's So Retrograde. Well, hello. It is holiday week. Mm-hmm. Are we kicking it back a little? Mm-hmm. Watching some stuff? Yeah. Sure. Maybe giving back, hopefully. All of it. Reflecting. Give to yourself and give to your community. Being thankful for all we have and all that is to come. We have an exciting episode today that we're just going to jump right into. We have Lorea Gaston joining us. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being here. She is the founder of an organization here in Los Angeles called Lunch on Me, which is providing organic food and healing programs for those experiencing homelessness around Los Angeles. Yes. And the greater area as well, right? Yeah. Whoever needs it, if we can get to them, we will. Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. Um, we're I we're both so blown away by your work and it is we're very touched that you're joining us today Thank to talk you. about your mission and everything that you're doing. Talk to us a little bit first about Lunch on Me, what inspired it and where you are now with it. Well, I've been feeding the homeless for almost fifteen years now, and that's been my form of spiritual tiding. That's kind of been my way. I grew up in the church, even though I wasn't really religious. I don't identify with that, but the practices, you know, have molded me into like who I am. And so feeding the homeless was my form of tithing because I didn't find God in church. I found it in service and it started with one person and it turned into many. And the reason I started Lunch on Me was when I started to get into the nonprofit world and want to be a more active volunteer and want to spend all of my time giving of service, I had seen such a divide and gap in the nonprofit world, a corruption um, where the people who were put in place to serve were not. And I just needed to create a movement that was reflective of what was needed because I didn't know anything about the nonprofit world, but I knew how to love people. And I knew how to create spaces where people felt safe, whether they were homeless or they weren't and they wanted to be in that space. I knew how to bring people together. And so that's how Lunch on Me was birthed through a bad experience I had with a nonprofit that was so far removed from people's needs and their wants that they weren't looked at as human. And in that moment, it was a graduation for a drug program, and they wanted to cancel the celebration because they said they didn't have enough money. And this is a multi-million dollar nonprofit. And in that moment, the first thing I thought was, these people, it's so hard to do life sober. Mm. And so they're in a space where the only thing that they're looking forward to is being celebrated for what they've done, and mm. you would take that from them. And in that moment, that's when I knew it wasn't in alignment with, I knew why it was as bad as it is, because people weren't doing their part. And I don't like to ridicule what other people are doing. I like to be proactive in doing something, so I did. And I created Lunch On Me, and within the last two and a half years, I started with wanting to feed 500 a month, and now we're at 10,000 a month. Wow. And as a non, like a grassroots nonprofit, like we're not government funded at all, all of the money comes from our like five person team. And um, I just knew that if I put things together, if I built, if I chipped away, that something extraordinary would happen because of the place it came from, which was like love and certainty. 
And that's how Lunch On Me came to be. And then when I started to dive deep into it, I realized there was no difference. Everyone wants healing, but you have to empower them to heal themselves. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to create spaces where people could do that. And it wasn't about monetary. It wasn't, I didn't want them to feel like they needed $30 a class to be able to have yoga. Right. Like I wanted to make it accessible to We don't everyone. even have $30 a class. <laughs> but it's, I it's mean. It's expensive to where, do that shit. Where wellness has become this marketing like thing. It's like totally. the next trend. And for me, it's ancient teachings. I mean, culturally, I grew up in wellness. Wellness yeah. is not new to me. Yeah. And so I wanted everyone to have access. And when I think about it, like I work with like amazing people like Lululemon where they give us mats for everyone where we're given things but if you look at like price tags and things like that I didn't want it to be the deciding factor if you mm -hmm. go to India no one's talking about Lululemon they're <laughs> talking about community yeah. and that's what I wanted to create here in America which is a juxtaposed position because that's not what wellness has become yeah and so I wanted it to be raw and about people coming together and holding space and what I learned, I lost my mother a year and a half ago, and I learned the most powerful thing that could have happened to me was having a woman that held space for me. And that's why I'm able to do what I do, because one individual has allowed me to touch thousands of people through that. So I can only imagine what my life will do for, the, for all the people that I've touched, mm. because one woman did it for me. And so that domino effect, that ripple, um, is what I decided to create. And now it's, it's something beyond anything I could have even imagined. Because it's true, it's one thing to give people food, which is incredible, as it is obviously you can't survive without food. But then to teach people that they're worthy of love and worthy of healing, you're like taking it to such a different level because I feel like it is that situation where people become homeless because they feel unworthy and then it just spirals into like not being able to fight for yourself. So you're like empowering people beyond what most just, you know, passing out a sandwich would do, even well, though that is yeah. helpful. But you know what's so funny? It's, um, we all, I don't, no matter where you come from, food has always translated as love. Yeah. I mean, mothers breastfeed their babies. Like, there's a translation and nurturance that happens within that. But I think that when we take it to a space where it becomes charity, which to me is now a dirty word. I always say that. Like, yeah. charity, I've just x that word out because it's an exchange. It's an energetic exchange. It's service. And... Charity it's, because it feels like I'm doing something for you yeah, and you're beneath like me. I'm, yes, it feels like an elitist concept. Yeah. And I'm above and I'm giving you my scraps because mm -hmm. that's what I've seen in right. charity. Right. And I'm not giving you what you're worthy of. I'm not like this whole idea of like even sharing. I keep telling people like outside of sharing, people have this weird relationship with money and giving and this attachment where I'm like, when you're in service, like what I've learned from sharing is whatever I have, I break half off and give it to you. Right. And so how do we lose that? How did we lose that? So when we're in the spaces and you're seeing this homeless epidemic, it's not by coincidence. It's mm -hmm. off of like years and generations of that concept. Can we talk about that a little more? Um, we've both been in Los Angeles for over 10 years and there... It, there's an obvious uptick in the homeless situation that is going on in Los Angeles. Yeah. Because yes. um, we'll talk in a minute about Skid Row, which there's unfortunately always been tense there as long as I've lived here. I've noticed that. But now it seems to be on every few blocks we in the city. Well, yeah, because rent's going up. Well, there's a lot of different factors. One is rent's going up, but minimum wage isn't. It's like either of them should be raising. Like, right. Let's just make sure that the amount that it takes to afford an average place here 
the average person with an average job should be able to afford it, and that's not what it is. So we already know there's a financial divide. And then on top of that, a lot of people don't look at foster care. There's over 28,000 foster kids in L.A., and only 1,400 are awaiting adoption. They age out of the system at 18. They have six months before they're homeless, 50% of them. So that'll be another 14,000 people in L.A., just all the statistics and numbers. Per year? No, no, well, just within that, it, it, it changes every year. There's 28,000 right now. Right. But they all have to turn 18, and 50% of them will become okay. homeless, right. period. Like, that's our biggest issue. People have such a connection with children and a separation with homelessness, but don't realize, like, those were children that slipped through the cracks. Mm-hmm. And that is one of our biggest issues outside of rent control. We all know L.A. is expensive. It's gotten worse and worse over the years. But the foster care issue i don't think anyone is really taking into consideration because people aren't given the access the tools you know there's this idea like you were buried you're um below sea level in just devastation that you've been through in your life and then we challenge every single person in those spaces to rise above that it's like this person if there's like a race and one person started sea level has to crawl out of a hole and there's a person that already started running they have to catch up with them. Yeah. Like no one considers, like there isn't, it's not an equal thing. The people that are homeless, I would be homeless, you would be homeless. If we were given the same cards as them, we would be no different. Of course. No different. Yeah. And, and people don't understand that. Like I've learned that in LA, especially having conversations with people in their perspective of homelessness, everyone's narration is so far removed from what's really going on and that lets me know how much people separate themselves yeah. from this. What do you so, feel like is yeah. the misconception? Yeah, like what the is main going thing? on? Well, the first, the, the number one thing I hear often is they want to be homeless. Ooh, I hear that. I hate, I hate the sound that. of that. I hear that all the time. Who the like, fuck would want that? I mean, to live in the conditions that I've just been exposed to, I no one would choose that. Yeah. Do you become so broken that you accept your reality? That's what I was saying about the worthiness thing. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It definitely, and it's one of those situations, like, where do you get worthiness from? There are people that come from supportive, loving families, kind, you know, partners, and they still don't feel worthy. Yes. Now, imagine removing that, having nothing to even validate or even make you entertain another concept, but yeah. then you're supposed to, like, magically Because I feel worth. like people compare the outlier you know so Mm -hmm. it's like well some people get out and it's like those are that's not the norm no but it's one of those situations also we don't realize every single person that is successful was given a handout I don't care who you are Mm -hmm. whether you're an heiress and you're born into money whether you've gotten a job you do not deserve you know on paper you Mm -hmm. know but there are and it's the interesting part is like people have this idea that we don't want to give handouts we've all been given handouts yeah and handouts can empower you to do better things getting a job you don't deserve can allow you to grow into that position into so many things like it requires all of us to give people access Mm -hmm. and that's why like it's so important because we all have handouts it's this weird thing people think it's that elitist concept that charity it's a handout no all of us are given that yeah all of us everybody can name someone who's helped them helped them oh along God. the way for lucky many people i mean it takes a village as yeah they but and, I, and i call it a handout because we call what we give them a handout and then everyone else in society calls it help yeah right or mentorship but to me, yeah but it's no they're handouts mm-hmm. all of us are given things and and i and i think that's the beauty about life like to be able to give to each other whether we feel deserving or not like i think that, that's a gift yeah to give someone access to give someone especially healing. Like for me to be able to give the homeless yoga classes, organic food, sometimes they don't even know to the extent of what they're receiving. Mm-hmm. And it's just so
so beautiful to just be able to do that. I love that you say the food you serve would be nothing is nothing that you wouldn't eat yourself. I eat every time. Right. Sometimes. Which is amazing, which I, in, in, of course, no shade at all to any of these uh, food coalitions that I volunteered with. But a lot of times it's like not food that we would serve our family. Oh, my God. And it's, it's again, it, it's, it's like the scraps mentality yeah. versus showing someone a loving meal that mm-hmm. we would also share with them. Yeah, there's this guy named Scotty. I was, I've been with him the whole time for the 43 days I was on Skid Row. Should we talk? Should we introduce that before you like just say it? Because oh, I feel yeah. like people are going to be like, yeah. wait, what? But I do want to talk about the Scotty thing. It was very interesting. We were having a conversation. I was doing an interview on him, and it was so crazy because he said to me specifically, and I don't really do sandwiches, but he had said to me, I could tell how much someone loves me or hates me just by the sandwiches they bring to us. Mm. And he said, he's like, sometimes I'm handed things and I think they hate us. They don't care. Like, And it was so interesting because I didn't think about it. Right. But he was just like, I know the love. He's like, <laughs> and we, we made light of it because I had to in that situation where he's like, they only give me this much peanut butter. <laughs> like, they hate me. Oh, no. <laughs> but Is that why the guy those... threw the sandwich at me? <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's these moments where it's like, it's true. That love that you get, and to me it's no different. Like, the same care that I put into my family, I don't make a difference. And maybe that's what I learned in my home with my mom where I was her favorite and yet you couldn't tell because there was no difference. Mm -hmm. And I do that. That's my approach on Skid Row as well. Like, when I make the food, I do not serve things I don't eat. That happened the other day. Whole Foods donated pork and I threw it away. Sorry, Whole Foods. But I was just like, I don't want to get, I'm not giving them pork. Like, I'm just not. Like, I won't. Yeah. Because I would never eat that. And I just know it's not good for the body. And I don't care if it came from, you know, and I love them. They're amazing to us. But it's just what my standard is, what I will allow. You know, our coffee comes from La Colombe Coffee. Yes, it does. You know, so it's just like those things. (laughs) Like, I've introduced them to cold brew. Like, they're really fancy out there. Yeah, good. And it's it's such a beautiful thing. But I think that translates as love. Mm -hmm. They can't question you know, the love because everything I'm doing, if you have to take away the words, you know, the expression, the verbal expression and say, okay, how do you feel about what we've done? It's everything about it is love. That's beautiful. And it's mindfulness. With with the Skid Row thing. Okay, we're, so. We're both like, we have so many questions. We're so, okay, so <laughs> first for those of, those who might not live in Los Angeles and not know what Skid Row is historically and where it's at now could you give us a little background so skid row is a um governed area that is become a a tent city it's been there for about 100 years where it was one place that people who were homeless were allowed to go when people are homeless they become criminalized this is one space that they try to create a safety net which isn't um and it's built up of resources and effective resources, but resources mm-hmm. nonetheless. And so now homeless people from all over have gone to Skid Row to try and find housing. And another issue is incarceration. Anyone that's coming out of jail um, is directed to Skid Row. So, and it's, I mean, I have a kid that served two years for stealing a can of peaches because he couldn't afford food. Mm-hmm. He's been homeless since high school because his mom passed away. And so he served two years and he got a 99 cent. Like, I, what? Like, it's, yeah. And so I'm thinking he's, and a criminal, and when he told me what he did, I was like, what? He's like, yeah, I went, he's like, I, went, I was there for two years. And it's like, even those things. So mm-hmm. 
he was sent to Skid Row. Skid Row is an entire area where it's homelessness. It's third world country conditions in Los Angeles. And literally where you can see all of downtown, you can see the wealth of the city from the perspective of Skid Row. And yet people are going without running water, without shelter, thousands and thousands of people. There are 58,000 homeless in LA. We went up 23%. And um, it just became an area that won't be Skid Row in the next five years. But right now, as what it will stands, it be? A place for the Olympics. Oh fuck! Yeah, it's not going to be there. That's why there's this talk. It's not about. It's not about. Where is everyone going to go? Um, that's going to be the interesting part. I, a lot of people are going to be incarcerated. But if they can, okay. Now I'm mad. If they can build the Olympics, there surely can be like government-funded housing. Well, there's enough funding to fix it now, but the money's not going where it's supposed to. Right. There's been, like, money has never been the issue. Is that what you mean by resources that aren't being allocated? Absolutely not. They're buying yachts and Teslas. Like, I'm not, like, what? Yeah. It isn't, like, it's one of those situations. How have billions of dollars been put in this 50-block radius, and within 100 years, it's worsened every year? Yeah, that's insane. So we're going to act like people are doing what they're supposed to? Right. Like, it's not. And I can say that, like, it's not being done. If we're able to feed one-fifth of the population and we're not even government-funded, yeah, like we're a team of five people, wow. yeah, that, that already lets me know. Yeah. It's, it's very interesting. I mean... Is um, incarceration the really top reason why this happens? Or, you know, like, what, what's the, the, like the biggest story of people who end up... Well, um, incarceration, the thing is, um, if you go to Skid Row, you have a 90% chance of becoming incarcerated. So it's actually a crime to be homeless. It's illegal. It's against the law to have a tent on a sidewalk. So people go to jail for that. And they lose their stuff. So it's a cycle. Like, literally, the way nonprofits are structured and jail, it's the exact same thing. So you're literally, it's so, it's, they've made it where you're acclimated. If you're in jail or you're in Skid Row, it's going to be the same thing. There's a curfew. There's things you have to do. Like I said, like you, like I did not know until I was down there that people are getting tickets for sidewalk blocking. Mm. Tickets that they obviously heard about can't that. pay. You can't, you're not allowed to sit in your tent till 9 p.m. It's Ugh. illegal to be in your tent in the middle of the day. You're supposed to sit outside. It's illegal. Like I had a, I have a woman who's pregnant right now who got arrested because she was in her tent because she was feeling sick. What's the reasoning behind that? Is it to... Is it just a way of getting people sucked back into the system, or is it's there control? Actually, like, yeah. there's no. I mean, what is on paper is in case they're doing drugs. Like, it's silly. It doesn't make sense. People can do drugs at nine p.m. too. It's suppression. Yeah, that's what it is. It's there's always been blueprints for suppression, and it's it's always um, been targeted to a very specific demographic. Right. It's suppression. Like, why couldn't someone sit in their tent? Like, it seems safer. Well, and actually, it's a, and it's but it's. It's not a crime. Like the fact that, like me being down there, um, now there's like city sanitation that never happened before. The amount of harassment I've seen, like this, the people who do sanitation are supposed to go and sanitize the area. They just started throwing their stuff away, and Ugh. there's this cycle too. I have it filmed, so it's not a situation that people will see about see it, but they are harassed every day. Yeah, by Please, so many people. Um, talk to us about your calling to spend time down there. Yeah. And what, how it transformed from your initial vision to 40-some days. <laughs> Crazy. So it's going to be the most bizarre 
a story that happened, but I have to tell it, Please. even though it's very woo-woo. We've This is the place for this <laughs> type of crazy. topic. Yeah. yeah. So Our long, grandmas have been in the building, and they're both not living. Yes. My <laughs> so mom, we yeah. got it. I, yes, and We're that's fine. me with my mom. So um, a year and a half ago, um, one of the most divine spirits I know, his name is Nima, and he stayed with me on Skid Row. A year and a half ago, we were in my place, and I had told him my vision. Because we'd always said we need to do a film together. We didn't know what it living would be. Living spirit or? Who? No, he's, he's, he's living. He's here. Okay. So he was actually. <laughs> when you say spirits sorry. on our show, we're like, could be no, he's either the way. Spirit. So, yeah. I'm sorry. His soul, his spirit. <laughs> anyone it. he, when you meet this man, he's just like the most incredible thing I've ever seen. But a year and a half ago, we were having a conversation and I told him my vision. He was there for my first Lunch on Me event. Randomly, he lives in New York. And he happened to be here when I was doing my first one. He was like, I'll come out. I'll take pictures. And we'd always said that we would do something. And I, I was like, I, get a, I have a vision of a documentary. Because I kept seeing um, just clips of this documentary that I hadn't done yet. And I told him a year and a half ago, let's do it. And he said, okay. And I was sitting there talking to him. I'm cooking. My back is turned. There's a glass cup, but like a pint, like a beer glass full of water. At that time, my mother had passed away. She was breaking things left and right. Mm. And I was just like, Mom, like this is getting a little crazy. Like I need some of this stuff in my place. But she was breaking things. <laughs> and so I'm sitting there cooking. He's net, like not far from me, right in the kitchen. I'm cooking. All of a sudden, I see water spill on the ground as soon as I say this documentary has to be done with you. But it gets crazier than that. The water tips over pours out, then the glass sits right back Stop. up. Stop. No, swear to God. And I didn't see it at first because I was cooking. I turn and water's at my ankles. And Nima's sitting there. And I'm like, what just happened? It's one thing if a glass, how it gets on his side, I have no idea. Stays no on one's his ne- side. No one, he wasn't even next to it. He was like across the room. Yeah. It spills, that's one thing. And you can, all, you can also logically say, you know, like some... It Tremors. Spills, yes, something. California. But not only did it spill, it comes right back up. Oh, that's crazy. Half full. I turn around, water's on the ground, and the cup is still up. He looks at me and, and explains what he just seen. Oh, he saw the whole thing? He saw it. No way. And he was so thrown and taken aback. He was like, whenever we're going to do whatever, I'm doing it. But like, he just, it was like a no-brainer. Yeah. yeah. Fast forward, um, maybe two months ago, I got a vision when we would do it. I called him and said, hey, I need you for seven days to come to L.A. to sleep in a tent to figure this out. And he says, I'm with it. Like, it's that easy. Okay. I'm looking at all these different times. I'm calling, like, we have a team of, like, four people, and I'm trying to figure out how can we all be in the same place at the same time. The only time we had was the first week, which was was my birthday. It was, like, the day of my birthday it would start. And I was like, that's kind of ironic. It gets crazier than that. Um, there's a woman, her name is Brenda. She's who I went to Wellspring. I brought to Wellspring. And she reminds me a lot of my mother. And Venus, who's in the room, her cousin's a medium. And she says to me, you're getting a message. Do you want it? And this is before I go mm. to Skid Row. And I said, of course. And my mother always made chili. So it was this weird thing that she had told me. Because I had made chili the other day. And I'm like, I don't know how to make chili because I never really watched you. I ended up making it. Everyone loved it on Skid Row. And then the medium just says... Um, your mom told me to tell you that was all her. She told you what to put in. I was like, okay. She's In that moment, I'm like, okay, it is my mom because she yeah. knew me and her and this vegan chili was my thing. So I was like, okay, cool. And she was like, she want, she's like, I want you to know I come through Brenda to hug you. 
And the whole, when I first said I would set up this tent, I said I would sit with her. Mm. So my first night setting up, I spent my birthday with my mother, and that's my first birthday without her. And so that was the moment I was like, okay, my mom is for sure involved in this. And it started with a week, and it was the craziest week of my life, but I had to be there longer. Because I kept seeing seven, but it ended up being 43 days, which is seven as well. Yeah. So we didn't leave. Nima had to change his flight three times. It was one of those, like... What was keeping you, and, like, what... Can you walk us through kind of the day, a day day in the life sort of thing? The things that we were led... Like, what happened in that was the most spiritually transformative thing that ever happened to me. We walked. Like, we walked 10 miles a day, Nima and I. And literally... And, again, Nima was a... He's a a prophet. He he was a chosen man that there's no one in the world I would have walked the world with. And he is who that is, and in these moments, the way we could hold space for people, the healing that happened, every single person we've seen cried and spoke about what they've been through and said, thank you, because I've never even talked about it. And, you know, usually when you have a camera in someone's face, people get awkward. They have this weird relationship with the camera. No, they didn't even see the camera because of the space we held for them. They were just, like, outer body. Like, it was beautiful because every time I let them cry and I kept telling them, cry, cry, cry anything you feel do it let it go so that you give space to feel something else so let it go and it was just like I it was a healing and I was healed too because the last day the the 43rd day I realized what I was given my mother was my place my space that I that was held for me and I never thought in this world I would have that because I had an angel for a mother like an a real like a God sent like angel and when she left this world it wasn't it wasn't the death because I'm 100% okay with transforming. It was the space that I felt like I could never have here. Like I felt like this pure space would be taken from me until I got to another place. And that last day was the moment my mother said, this was the other space I created for you. And after that, that's when I knew I was healed because I felt like I would be missing something without her, but she still left me with that. And that was like, I was done. I was wailing. I look and there's like 10 people that had journeyed with us for the 43 days all together. Some of them sitting in their tents dancing together. Like why I'm sitting across the street and I'm just crying. Because I just seen exactly the space that my mother had held for me this whole time. She left me with it and she gave it to me and she said, now give it to everyone else. And it was like beyond measure. I was done. That day, I just posted last night the last picture because I was crying so hard. Nima comes and grabs me and holds me. And one of the guys from Skid Row that is almost takes a picture. And he's like, it's so cute. He's like, imagine if I had an iPhone, I could be a director. <laughs> it's so cute because he wanted to like direct. And it was this beautiful moment where he captured us just in this place that I would, I would give my life to mm-hmm. give everyone access. I saw that picture. What I seen, yes. Spectacular. And it was when, like a Metro Obama phone. <laughs> from, like, like when he sent it to me, it was like a, a clickable link. It was like, where is this picture being hosted? Like, how did you do this? European. It was so funny. And he sends me this picture and that picture was taken from a homeless man. Wow. And, wow. And I was just like, that was God. Cause I was done. I was, I was crying. I was like, oh my god, why was I chosen for something so beautiful? Like so good. big. Oh my god, it was crazy. It was I, I can't physically tell you what I've seen, and I'm so happy people will see it because I yeah. can't describe it. I don't even start. There's over a hundred hours of footage wow. of like 
incredible things. It's called A Mile in My Shoes. And it's, oh my God. Do you have a timeline? I know that's a deep edit you've um, got to do. But... Yeah, I'm starting footage as soon as I leave here. Right. I'm using the next two months. I will probably be finished by January with the actual documentary. And then from there, I've got to figure out I want to host a, a, um, a viewing, a private viewing here with all the people from Skid Row who are in mm-hmm. it. So it's going to be interesting. Let's take a quick break to say thank you so much to our friends over at Lola. Uh, Lola is a female-founded company offering a line of organic cotton tampons, pads, liners, and all-natural cleansing wipes. Founders Joanna Keir and Alexander Friedman, former TSR guests, started their company with a simple and seemingly obvious idea. Women shouldn't have to compromise when it comes to feminine care products. They asked themselves, if we care about the ingredients in the food we eat and the beauty products we use, why shouldn't the same be true for our feminine care products? And let's not forget about their latest contribution to the feminine care space, which is Sex by Lola. Sex by Lola is a line of gynecological approved sexual health and wellness products such as lubricated condoms, personal lubricant, and cleansing wipes designed by women for women. And all of these things are obviously non-toxic. The sexual products are water-based, made with aloe vera. They are without irritating chemicals, hypoallergenic, and they will make sure that you maintain a healthy vaginal pH, which as we all know is very so important. important. Yeah, unlike other major brands in the space, Lola products are, as you said, Steph, 100% natural and easy to feel good about. There's no BS, no mystery fibers, and no doubts about what's going in your body. No parabens, petrochemicals, glycerin, synthetic flavor, or fragrance. I've never understood a scented tampon. I always thought that was so weird. Counterintuitive. Yeah. Um, and what's great about Lola is it comes in a customizable subscription. They'll Hi. deliver to you exactly what you need exactly when you need it. Mix your tampons, mix your pads. Sometimes you're heavy, sometimes you're light. Sometimes you want to plug it up, sometimes you want to bleed it out. Throw some condoms in there. Why not? Whatever you never you know need. what you're going to want to put inside of you. I have to say, it really, it's a, just a nice, <laughs> it's just <laughs> a good situation when you're prepared for all things. Yeah. So period, having sex, both. They're really innovators in this space, and we have an offer for you for 40% off all of your subscriptions, both your tampons and your sex by Lola. Visit mylola.com and enter promo code retrograde40, that's four zero, and you will get 40% off your subscription. Yep, that's mylola, M-Y-L-O-L-A.com. Retrograde40 is the promo code, 40% off your subscription. I mean, we're big fans. We know you will be too. Thanks to Lola for helping making the show happen today. Um, my question is, so after this experience, how has that changed the work that you're going to do and or elevated it and what, you know, is next for you in terms of like your mission after having that personal experience? Well, I think one thing that happened was I gave everyone a space to heal. Yeah. Everyone's changed. Like yeah. what's happened in 43 days Every single person, you will see it in from, I interviewed them multiple times, so you will see from their first interview till the last week, oh my God, that they're going to go far. We're going to give them access. So for me, it's spreading awareness so we can give access. A lot of people don't see where the problems are because they're not in it. So Mm -hmm. the gift I gave people was, so many people are scared of Skid Row. I'm bringing it to you. Yeah. Yeah. You now get to travel into space that's uncharted territory and get a real 
a real view of what really happened. Yeah. And it's not all butterflies. I have, I mean, I've sat, I was sitting in stairwells with heroin addicts. I was sitting, seeing Spice. Spice is killing more people than any other drug right what is now. It? Spice. So Spice is like, um, it's rolled like it's marijuana, but it's a synthetic um, drug that's made. Oh, I know that shit. Yeah. So spices. That's why the 15 overdoses were from spice. Thinking it's weed? No, it's cheaper. It's thinking it's like a dollar yeah. for one. So. And in the, in the fact that it's synthetic is what Oh, yeah. Well, people? it's like potpourri, but they're putting raid on it, like the roach spray. And it's being made and they're lighting it, inhaling it. It's killing people left and right. It's. The craziest thing I've seen, I've watched. I was watching people shoot up crystal meth and speed together. Kids, mm. 17, 18 year olds, not having a space in tents. I'm in a tent with someone doing crystal mm-hmm. meth, sitting with them. Like it's not. It's, it's heavy so because as people are trying to suppress and get away because of the pain that they did. How do you hold space for for that kind of behavior? As I'm sure you're just there to witness and mm-hmm. and as you said, just offer healing. Yeah. So what goes through your mind when you're witnessing something like that? So it's interesting because I'm when I'm in that space, I am so channeled in yeah. that it's no longer even about me and what I feel. I have to be in a space of like and it's hard for me. I don't even smoke weed. Like it's hard for me because I don't smoke, I don't drink, I don't do anything. I've always lived a pure life. And in that space, I need to be there to show them that they can be whoever they are and there's no judgment. I don't want any of them doing it. Right. But their guilt will remind them that I'm just here to love them. So it's their idea to quit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's not my place to say you need to quit. You've and heard even that if you said times. that, it wouldn't fucking matter. It, Sorry but, to say. But, yeah, but I've but, known enough but, addicts but, to know that. Why, but why would I tell someone you need to quit instead of saying I can't wait till you love yourself? Yeah. yeah. It's all about what you say. Mm, that just lit up my... And that's insights. what, like, for me, that that's my position. My yeah. position isn't to condemn or talk about. It's hurtful. My heart. There was a moment with Scotty. He was he was doing Spice. And that was the moment he broke through. He was getting high. I was filming him. I looked at him. He looked at me in my eyes. And he started crying and said, you care about me. And, and that was the moment I realized. And, I, and that was the moment I spoke. I said, yeah, I do. And I want you to love yourself. And that's when everything changed because... I realized my position is to sit here and break through and to let them get high until they're in a space to want to do different. But I got to be open to it. They have enough people to hide from mm-hmm. while they're doing what they're doing. But it shifts things when you can go to those spaces and say, this isn't like, this is not the deal breaker for me to love you or give you food or give you, like, this is more of a reason why I should be here, mm-hmm. yeah. you know? And, and that's changed people. I have three of our kids that were heavy addicts right now. They're not, they're like, we don't, they're like, I don't even want to do this. They were like, even doing the film, they're like, I want to do more film. I want to do more. Like, they're like, I don't want to get high. And it's not because I told them. It's because I asked them, where are you at? What, what makes you want to escape? You're probably the first person in their life yeah. who hasn't condemned them. Oh, 100%. They said it. Yeah. They said that they could be whoever they are. Yeah. And But that's how things change. Of course. My mother gave me that. Like, I would challenge her in a way that was crazy <laughs> because I would just shoot off the handle and say crazy stuff just to see what she would say. Mm-hmm. And every time she said, okay. She was okay with it. And I learned it from her. Had she had, had, she had formed an opinion, I would have been close to her. Mm-hmm. But not one time. She showed me to speak when spoken to. And your, your, your opinion's not needed if it's not asked. 
And that's what I've done in those spaces. If you ask me, I will share. But if you're not asking me, that's not what you want from me. And it's not like, why do I need to tell you what to do? I want to love you. This is the space I'm given. Let me try and give you love in every way that I can, whether it's food, nourishment, talking, holding space, allowing you to vent, giving you different perspective and answers. That's it. Let me expose you to different things, you know? And and that's been my focus, and that's been so effective because people have put drugs down off of that love. Yeah. It's not, of course, they're defensive. They're ready for someone to shut them down. Yeah. They, they've got a hundred answers as to why they're doing it. I mean, it's, it's, they've been doing that the it's whole time. It's painful. Yeah. But if you heal their heart, they're not even going to want it. Mm-hmm. Because once they start feeling that love, they're like, why am I doing this? Why do I want to be not present for this? Yeah. And I've seen that. The kids are like, I, I didn't smoke. I didn't do anything today. Because they're so excited. They're just like, I want to be present. But that's because they now have something to be present about. Mm-hmm. That's the difference. Like, they have something to look forward to. Are you doing educational programs also? Um, once we get a space. Yeah. So right now, like, healing, we do, like, goddess parties where we'll do, like, Reiki and breath work, and I take them to, like, spiritual retreats. We don't have our own location. So right. what's stopping us right now is we don't have a home. Lancho Me doesn't have a home. We grew faster than we even knew would even be possible. Yeah. And so that is our next step. Like is a, once we have like a like a center. Yeah, so we so it would be a kitchen yoga studio. Okay. And that's and coffee shop. Like a coffee shop would be like how we generate money. The coffee would go to fund the programs and that space they would be able to get everything they need, sharing circles, healing. I mean, resumes, like I'm even helping with, like, and that's the thing that I just do on my own. Like yeah. me and the kids meet up and I let them use my computer and they can do their resumes. I help them. I'm a reference for them. Like I've been focused on giving them access because there is no access like, yeah. to do that. So our kids, like even within this time, have been able to go on job interviews, have been doing things. So anything that they need, it's an individual thing. Like I'm not looking at it as a big hole. I'm looking at it as chipping away at one person at a time. Genius. What is everyone's need and how do we meet those needs? Instead of taking a hundred different people and trying to give they all need something different. They all need different types of healing. They all need some need a lot of work. Some don't need much. Some just need a job, an opportunity, and a nice outfit to interview in. Yeah. You know, it's like everyone needs something different. And that's what I've been focused on that. Opening this space where they can all be employed by me. I'm like, you don't need a resume because whatever there is that you need to learn, you're capable of learning within the job. You know, you have to tell people like that a lot of them feel inadequate because no one's ever given them life skills. So they don't know how to open a bank account. They don't know how to do these things. But if you tell them like, no, like you're capable. Worry about that later. Because every time something comes, you're not going to drop the ball. You're going to pick it up and learn. Like empowering people mm-hmm. changes. Now they feel that way. Now they feel like, oh, I can do this. I can get a job. And even to hear the kids say, if I don't get this job, I'm not stopping. That's changed everything for them opposed to being so fragile that every every um, disappointment is a trigger from mm-hmm. all the rejection that they've received. Now it's changed. So we're working individually one at a time. And that's just the difference because... I feel like you can't look at it as a whole. I can't look at 58,000 people. But if I can start with 12 and be so proactive in their life that there's not one opportunity I can't make sure that they at least have what they do with it, I can't choose how people, um, how they use their opportunities or what they do with them, but I can present it. Yeah. And I always tell them always, there's always a door. There's two doors. You're going to go left or right, and it's always going to be your choice, whatever that is. But I'm going to make sure you have those two options that you get to get out. And that's that's why this is so important. I know that you're going to have this space. I can see it. I mm-hmm. know there is someone or some people's 
out there who have the money and want to help you. Mm-hmm. I can like see it fully in my mind. I feel it too. I yeah. feel I see like our kids like becoming yogis. I see yeah. them being certified in Reiki. I see them because there's so many healers there. Yeah. But they can't afford to be certified. They can't right. but I can give them the tools to do that. Yeah. You know, like and I, I already see I see it too. It's gonna happen in divine timing. When we see someone on the street, how can we kind of approach it in a to offer the love and the healing that I know we want to, but maybe there might be coming like some fear might be standing in the way. So um, if you do move with fear, it's going to affect your dynamic because you have to be 100% mindful of the energy you're bringing to an environment. Sure. So the first thing I would tell people is to get out of your own way. These are people. And when you treat them like they're not people, you're going to get that result because you're already in that mindset, right? Like we're in this mindset of fear. What are you afraid of and what narrative have you built to make you afraid? Nothing's happened. Well, I think it's just, I'll speak for myself, just like as a woman living in Los Angeles, I'm just constantly on guard walking down the street from anybody. So to walk up and open and initiate conversation with any stranger, like there's a barrier to that. But I want to help people. When I see suffering, I want to ask them what they need to help them. Yeah, so that's growth. Growth has to like there's no comfort in growth. I will not tell you it's going to be comfortable your first few times, especially if you're carrying fear. What I will say, it becomes easier mm-hmm. because you recognize like, wait, what? I created this. You know, fear is created. I don't have fear in any area of my life. Like I don't even, that's, it, it holds too much weight. Except in West Hollywood outside the bars. Well, no, <laughs> I've seen danger happen, yeah. but I'm not afraid. That's right. the thing. I mean, I slept, slept in a tent on Skid Row. Like I'm not afraid. So... I would say the most important thing is to recognize if you want to grow, you will be uncomfortable. That comes with life. If you are not uncomfortable, you aren't growing. You are sitting stuck in that fear and whatever that thing is that's holding you back. Um, I tell people to start. If you want to speak to someone homeless, first time I did it, I was 14. And literally, every grocery store we go to, there's someone outside asking for something. What I would normally say is, hey, love, I'm going inside. Would you like something? Can I get you something? And that, like, just that offering, no one shuns, like, 90% of your, the only time you'll probably get shunned is if someone's on psych meds, they've they've created mental illness, and that, that person's not even there. So they don't count. Anyone that's sober is going to be so thrilled. Like, nine times out of ten, if they're in front of a store, they've been praying that someone will be generous and just get them something. Mm-hmm. So nine times out of ten, you're going to have a beautiful experience if you're going into it with the same love that you would offer your friends and family in your home. If you say, hey, would you like something to drink? Like, There's no difference in how I speak to them and how I speak to everyone else that I love. And that's how I always start. And it's been cool. Like It's been great like experiences where I've said, hey, do you want to grab some groceries? You can come with me and I'll get them for you. And it's so funny because... Even the generosity, they don't even abuse. They'll be like, oh, I'll just take a drink or, like, some grapes. Or, like, they're very mindful because they're like, oh, my God, someone did something for me. And and it's really cool because when you do that and you get out of your fear, it becomes exciting and fun because you meet some of the most grateful people ever. You know, I, I'm in situations I, the other, not, not the other day, but, like, a while ago, I was outside of a fast food restaurant to use the restroom, everyone inside, a man opens the door that was homeless in front of the store. I go in to use the restroom, come out, and I noticed everyone inside was complaining. Like, they were taking a long time with food, and everyone was, like, 
hurry up, I have to go. Like just the rude the LA thing, right? Like you got my drink order wrong and you're horrible. Mm-hmm. Like all these different Red energy. All these different things. Where I was like, wow, like so many people are ungrateful. Then when I go outside, the man opens the door again. And the only grateful person was the man who was homeless and didn't have anything in his stomach. And I had asked him, he was smiling at me. I was like, have you eaten today? And he smiled. He said, no, but I hope so. And in that moment, it was a very transformative where I'm like, these people are complaining about their orders and they have access. And there's a man outside smiling, hoping that he gets a meal. Like that moment also changed my, it made me better. Like, these aren't problems. Like, let's take stock of our own privileges. And I took him in this in there to get food, and he was so happy. And then I just looked. This man sitting with me happy, and everyone's mad or irritated. or And then there was just this joy, and there was this peace he had that those people couldn't buy. And that peace was nothing's happened today that's been great, but that doesn't mean the day's not over. And just because something great, like he was mindful of his own energy. He opened the door for me both times, and he looked me in my eyes, even though everyone else would like not even say thank you. I've seen homeless people open doors, and people don't even say thank you, and that bothers me where I'm like, he's opening it just to be acknowledged. Like He's trying to do something nice for you just for you to say hello. So it's painful to watch, right? Like I see people like that. Okay, okay, okay. Listen up, everyone. Thrive Market. We talk about them a lot because they basically stock our pantries for most of our lives in both our cabinets, bathroom cabinets, kitchen cabinets, and just when you thought, just when you thought it couldn't get any better, they have provided one more thing to round out the entire life happiness that you will experience through Thrive Market, and that is the introduction of wine, my favorite food. They're stocking your wine fridge. It's incredible. Because we all know you have one. I don't, but in my heart I do, and it lives inside my belly. Amen, sister. <laughs> so they've got a wine program now, which um, sounds fancy. And if you're wondering, yes, all of the wines selected for the Thrive Market program have to be organically, biodynamically, or sustainably farmed and developed with minimal intervention into the winemaking process. And I don't know if we mentioned this on the episode that we did about wine, but this is pretty gross. Uh, if you if you look into the uh, Alcohol and Tobacco Tax and Trade Bureau, there's actually 60 chemicals that can be legally added to wine that you're purchasing at a liquor store, which is scary, and we wonder why we have a headache. Mm-hmm. Say goodbye to that with the introduction of the Thrive Market wine program. Thrive Market has worked with a master sommelier, Josh Nadal, to bring you the best tasting and affordably priced wine bottles that just start at $12. Wow, that's incredible. I will buy 150 of those. Yeah, so you can get them in bundles. And um, said this before, that it's a great thing to stock up on for the holiday season as we're going into parties. And it's just, I hate, one hates to show up empty-handed. And it's nice to just have it all sorted before the parties start a stacking. I always appreciate the gift of a wine bottle if I'm entertaining because you never know when you're going to want it and it's the most annoying thing to want and not have. And it's also nice to have at home to to enjoy for your lonesome. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. That's I'm always drinking oh. red wine by myself yeah. watching television. That's true. I'm so not sad. If you, <laughs> not sad. Just it's happy drinking It's everybody. celebrations. Uh, thrivemarket.com slash retrograde wine is the link you want to go to to get 25% off your first, first order. And if you're not already a member of Thrive Market, that link will also give you a free 30-day trial. Oh, So hello. there you go. Um, we're huge fans of Thrive Market, and we love this addition to their offerings. Thank you so much.
yesterday, one of the guys I know, Robert, he lives near me. Well, he's homeless in my area and um, I see him all the time. But even with him, it, I was going into Walgreens and he's like, hey, can I talk to you for a second? Because I had seen him the day before on my walk and um, he had needed some cream like from the store. And I was like, come in with me. And he's like, they won't let me in because I ask people for help. And he's like, and I'm like, no, come in. And it was it was so interesting. Like the energy he had, he was like, I don't want to go in because I never want to embarrass you for no like being with me and me being kicked out of places. And he's like, so I'm going to just wait outside. And it was hard to hear because I'm like, I'll kill them all. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm just in a space of like, don't you treat this sweet Mama man bear. like this? Like, mm-hmm. he's he's so nice. And it was so funny because I, he needed um, cream for like this rash he had on his arm. And I, and I went to get him money. And it was so funny because he was like, I've never asked you for like money or anything. And he showed me his... Uh, rash. He only asked for nine dollars. He's like, the cream is nine whole dollars. I don't have it. And of course, like I was like, I, I'll give you money. Like it's fine because I don't have a weird relationship with money. I'm like, you need something. If money can solve it, this is actually easier than half the things I have to do that don't require money. You right. know what I mean? If I can pay for, here you go. Like it's easy, right? And in that moment, I just really thought about like all these ideas are the things that happen and the graciousness, like the fact that he is shunned and he is mistreated and he sat outside just gracefully, like being the most respectful person in the dynamic. I see that all the time. And so when you're in those spaces, you're going to see like, it's more of an honor for you to even be able to talk to people like that because that's not the average person. Like they have, I'm telling you, it's a training. It's a spiritual training that a lot of people can't reach because to be able to be like pushed down every day, and to still be kind and gracious. I was on Skid Row. Let me tell you about this one moment because I was really upset. I couldn't believe it happened. So for these 43 days, I wore the same outfit the entire time. By the second week, I physically looked homeless. Like physically, it was no, like everyone, and I forgot. It was weird because it's one thing to be in the neighborhood. It's one thing to help the homeless. It's another to be treated like one. And that was my first time experiencing it where there's a frame store right next to Skid Row. And I had done a whole bunch of um, portraits and I was like, oh, I'm gonna get custom frames for it. Like, I'm thinking about all the things we could do for the documentary, like super excited. But I'm still in this outfit and I forgot that my outfit was dirty. I, I wore all white. So that also didn't help. I'm dirty, head to toe. And I walk into this frame store and this woman starts screaming at me. Like, me and Nima. Were you with the cameras? Um, yeah, but we didn't have, we weren't filming. Oh. We just walked in, like, we, it was during our time. He had his camera on him. We just weren't filming. And I walked in. I was like, oh, that frame is nice. And she's like, what are you doing in here? And I'm like, look at frame. I was so confused. Because I'm like, forgot. <laughs> yeah, so I'm like, looking at frames. What do you mean? What am I doing? I wasn't even touching anything. But it was a weird thing because I felt guilty like I did something. Yeah. And I'm like, and she's like, get out. She's like, I'm calling the cops on you. And it was a moment. Nima had to, he stepped back and he's the most peaceful person. And he was like, starts praying and talking. And I'm like, and it clicked because I didn't know what the hell happened. I'm like, oh, my God, she thinks I'm homeless. And in that moment, I wanted to go off. Yeah. But I didn't. I took it like they took it. And I just said, okay, I'll leave. And I walked out. And Miss Brenda was outside of the store. And she was like, so, like, she's homeless. And she says, they thought we were going to steal. <laughs> and I'm just like, this is not okay. And I was, like, upset. I And I took it. And it was one of those, like, imagine taking that every day. Yeah. Every day, like, you being, like, okay, because you weren't there to start trouble. But the person's going to, like, attack you. And then even her, like, she has been mentally, like, put in this place where she's like, well, we don't look like we can afford anything in there. So we don't have a bit, you know, like, she's like, we have no business being in there. 
not to make light of it, but you had a full undercover boss moment. And I was just <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. I was like, I will kill you. No, it was this weird thing that happened. And then in that moment, I was like, oh my God, she, this is what they deal with and nothing's happened. And I had to explain to Miss Brenda, when I go to Beverly Hills, no one's questioning me. No one's, any space I go into looking at some frames, no one's going to yell at me. That's never happened. But if I go to Beverly Hills and, I mean, I was in Skid Row. If I go to Beverly Hills in the same outfit I was wearing, of course. You're not even like, allowed there, technically. She called the cops on me. And I was just standing there, mm. like, to get out her store. Like, she screamed at me, and I was like, oh, my wow. God. And it was this moment where I was just like. Where you're like, I was just going to buy frames from you, you stupid <laughs> bitch. I'm like, like I was just crazy. about to spend fucking money in here, you idiot. But, yeah, and I definitely saw, <laughs> like, Julia wow. And no, it, was yeah. a, it was a moment where, like, she blocked so many things. And I'm like, yeah. I was talking about, like framing this whole, th like, and it was cool because I was like, oh, it's a store that's close to Skid, Skid Row. Row. So I yeah. was like, this is going to be cool. And then when she Support treated me that, businesses. I'm about that life. Mm -hmm. So, I, But it was one of those situations that I was like, oh, my God. Right. Like, this would tear me down. It's truly the mile in your day. shoes moment. Oh, my God. And I was just like. And Nima was like, we need to go home, shower, and go back. <laughs> I'm like, no. So you guys didn't shower for 43 days? No, no, no. I, sh I showered. There's a fr the, the, it's called the refresh spot, which okay. is like, it's like trailer showers okay. that took them 10 years to build and a half a million dollars. Right. So um, I had a place to shower, but a lot of people shower in the fire hydrants because the lines are too long. And... People, like, we have videos of it. People are opening, like, fire hydrants, washing their hair, washing their bodies. Like, wow. it's it's ridiculous. And so, no, I was able to shower. I was in the same outfit, so it didn't really matter. Right. I was clean for two seconds, and then my outfit went back on. Right. And my outfit is, I don't think you understand. It was brown by the time I was done. I was in all white. And it was crazy because no one, some people didn't fully understand. So, like, some of the people on Skid Row were like, do you want me to help you wash your clothes? Or, like, <laughs> I was just like... Ah, uh, leave me alone. <laughs> I'm trying. And they were like, we got to go find you an outfit. Like, they were like, we're going to go find someone donating some clothes. <laughs> and Like, they were just in the space. And it was it was right. just very interesting because they were just trying to take care of me. It was like I was a guest in their home. Yeah. Like, the first night, I'm woken up at 3 o'clock in the morning because they hotwired the street light so that I could have electricity in my tent. Oh. And they come. It was the sweetest thing. They were like, so your phone could be charged. They're like, we got you electricity. And I'm like, what? And they're like, they got like extension cords to the street light. Ugh. Just like the kindness. I'm like, I you can't get someone to drive you to the airport. Seriously. <laughs> like, Not you, even your best friend. Right. Like, right. You can't like and you have somebody at three o'clock in the morning, like waking to no cops are there to rewire the, the street light to bring me electricity. The ingenuity alone. I had electricity in my tent. Wow. It wasn't a lot. It was just like a strip, but it was like just the thoughtfulness yeah. of like I was just like, Oh my god, you guys are really raising the bar for people in my life. You're making yeah. it really rough. Like, is anybody around here single? <laughs> no, oh my god. The men are the sweet, like, you have no idea. I'm like, let's get their lives together. Yeah. And it was cool because we did photo shoots where we actually, like, styled them and we had, like, a fashion photographer come and put them in suits. And when you see them, I showed so many women that were like, oh, my God. And I'm like, he's in a tent. Yeah. Like, look at him like this. 
but he's in a tent. Yeah. Like showing people what their life could be if they were given opportunities. Yes. How do we get involved? What can we do? We're definitely going to come with you and help mm -hmm. you, but what about people who are listening? Well, I think the first thing is for Giving Tuesday, we're launching a fundraiser. So okay. the next two months, we're raising money to open our yoga studio space Obsessed. for March. So that's what we need the number one help with. Like okay. number one is people spreading awareness. If people can find $10 to donate, like whatever it is, like yeah. we need help with this. And it's really cool because it's a, um, it's a competition through GoFundMe that's allowing us to win up to $300,000. Amazing. So on top of like a whatever grant? we raise. Like a grant competition? No, it, it's, so it's a, no, it's a fundraising competition that's um, focused on crowdfunding. The more people that get involved, like there's going to be every week different challenges Amazing. for the next month where it's like if we raise $1,000 today, they'll give us $3,000 on top wow, of it. It's a really that. cool like fundraiser. It's a holiday challenge that's being launched for Giving Tuesday, which is the number one Perfect. giving day. And so that's the first way um, I would say. And if people are healers if they whatever spiritual gifts they have if you're a chef like come help us use your your skills your talents for the good of people who might not be able to afford your services yeah. that's a way to give back and the one thing i tell everyone if you really want to do better in your life when it comes to being of service because it's all of our part like that's everyone's responsibility a lot of people are dropping the ball but all of us are supposed to give back dedicate one day a month i do not think that's much to ask but every single person in LA if they dedicated just one day to giving a month then half the problems we have would be alleviated just on a community level mm -hmm. and so do that one day don't think about yourself and say you know what I'm gonna give this whole day whatever it is whether you're helping us you know whether we're getting food from Whole Foods and we're prepping a whole bunch of food for people whether we're going out there and holding space and holding sharing circles like dedicate one day out of the month that is not too much to ask. We have some really cool people that give us one day a week. But if you can give us one day a month, then you're doing your part. And that's what it takes. It's micro gestures, but it's the mindfulness of I'm going to sacrifice a day. And that is one out of 31 days. You can figure it out. So that's what I'm asking all people to do because it just it changes you because now you're part of the exchange. Mm -hmm. You're part of the this is what we're supposed to do. And even with families, I tell people all the time, like, get your kids accustomed to giving and helping and being selfless. There's nothing wrong with it. Only good can come from that. And we have to help like these problems have been a problem for so long and they're worsening, it's safe to say people aren't doing their part. Thank you so much. Thank and you so to much. to our listeners, thank you so much for joining us today. We hope you have a beautiful holiday. Be good to each other. Let's shout out her website and Instagram. Yes, so the organization is called Lunch on Me. Dot org. Dot org. And our IG is Lunch on Me. Yeah. Great. Simple Hashtag enough. is love without reason. Great. Love. That's our slogan. Love. Oh, I love that. So uh in the absence of roses and thorns this episode because it was such a great interview we didn't want to cut too much out of it we just want to reiterate the fact that we're going to be creating a crowdfunding page for lunch on me for giving tuesday and we'll link that in our instagram and you guys can head over there and get involved let's make this like a real so retrograde team effort yes, take over in service and also Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. We are so grateful for today's conversation, for those listening, for, you know, everything that this year has brought us. And um, thank you guys from the bottom of our heart. Mm -hmm. Thanks for supporting us. Thanks for encouraging your friends to support us. Thanks for loving yourself enough to keep visiting so retrograde over and over and leveling up and taking care of yourself. 
And let's take an inspiration from today's episode and also take care of other people. Yeah. So, and thanks in advance for donating to Lunch on Me. Yeah. We appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you so much to Lariah again for joining us. And uh, I'm Elizabeth Cott. I'm Stephanie Simbari. Happy Thanksgiving. And as always. Namaste listening. Thank you so much to Thrive Market for partnering with us on this episode and for starting to source organic, biodynamic, and sustainable wines. Head over to thrivemarket.com slash retrograde wine for 25% off your first order. Thanks so much, guys. Hope you enjoyed the show. We love you. Happy thanks drinking. Yes, that's a retrograde.